What a joy to be back with each and every one of you here at Ashland Place UMC and worshiping with you all today. Uh, even in spite of the messiness that was rivalry day yesterday, I'm particularly thinking of one game, but I know all of them had their own quirks, and here we are on the other side of it. It is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. For today, as you might have heard, is Christ the King Sunday, the last day of the liturgical calendar, before we start the new liturgical year with Advent next Sunday. Christ the King Sunday is an interesting one. It's one that hasn't actually been around for all that long, was instituted back in the early 1900s, but has profound impacts on the life of the church, particularly where it falls in the liturgical year. Because this Sunday points us toward the revelation that the time is coming when the kingdom of Jesus will be established in all its fullness to the ends of the earth. The liturgical calendar ends with a Sunday that reminds us that when all is said and done, Christ is King. And it appropriately falls in a season of thanksgiving where we recognize all that God has done for us. And in that vein, I don't think I can go any further without first expressing our most sincere gratitude for all that you have done for Kristen, Callum, and myself over the past few months through prayers, meals, gifts, visits, and magnificent kindness. We have felt so well cared for, so loved over the past couple of months by this church family, and I don't think that we can thank you enough. Each step of the way, I've been so blessed to see Christ in each of you and the way that you have shown up for us. Because I do believe that God is so present whenever a baby does come into the world. But not just in that one moment. God is also present in the people who show up to help take care of that baby. As they say, it takes a village. And my goodness, there's nothing more true. And this village right here has shown up for us in a way that truly demonstrates what we call the imago dei. Latin for the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, right there at the beginning of your Bible, introduces one of the most important concepts that's going to carry on through the rest of Scripture and into modern day. Verse 26, then God said, let us make humans in our image, according to our likeness. And oh, how easy it is to graze over that. But that one line introduces the understanding that the image of God, it's a concept that would be absolutely impossible for us to unpack during the time that we have today, but that the image of God is held in each and every one of us. That the likeness of God is found in every single blessed human being on the face of the planet. An image that is imbued with the greatest of loves. And it is this very image that reminds us that Christ is not only with us through the incarnation that we discussed through the season of Advent, which is coming up. Christ is with us through the image of God present in each of us. But too often... We are stuck only able to see the image of God in those who live the way that we expect Christians to live. We can only see Christ in those who do things we think they should, 
or say things we think are right or support the things that we think are good. And yes, it is easy to see the image of God in people like you who have loved and supported and cared for Christum, Callum, and me through this wild season. But the image of God is in everyone. And I mean everyone. A fun representation of this showed up about 20 years ago. Between the years of 20, uh, 2003 and 2005, uh, the television channel CBS aired an American fantasy family drama television series on Friday nights called Joan of Arcadia. Anybody remember that show? Oh man, is it just me? God, this, was, this is a good show. This was a good show. Y'all need to go find this. I mean, it was only on for two years, but fascinating stuff. Uh, Joan of Arcadia, very loosely, and I mean very loosely, based on the historical figure Joan of Arc. The premise of this show followed a teenager named Joan Girardi who had made a promise with God. You see, her older brother was in this terrible car accident and was on the verge of death, and Joan pleads with God, I will do whatever you say if you just let my brother live. And he does. Now, he is paralyzed after the accident, but he lives. And it's not long after this that God begins appearing to Joan. In the form of various people, like small children, teenage boys, elderly ladies, transient people, passers-by. And each time that God appears to Joan, God asks Joan to perform a task. A very simple, trivial, even inconsequential task that always ends up improving a larger situation. One small act of random kindness, perhaps. Now, one thing I distinctly remember about this TV show was the theme song. And I, I, I need to know that each of you know this song, okay? It's the song, One of Us, made famous in 1995 by Joan Osborne. Yes? We know this song, please? <laughs> If you don't know this song, you got to listen to it. Good stuff. I, I promised Kristen that I would not pick up a guitar and try to sing this song for us today. <laughs> but you might recall the, the chorus, uh, which euphonically resounds. What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. Just a stranger on a bus trying to make his way home. Ooh, what if? Both the song and the TV show ask us to consider a profound question. What if God was one of us? What if we saw God sitting next to us? What if we saw Christ in the person pushing their shopping cart past us in the grocery store? What if we saw God in the person asking for money on the side of the road? Or what if we saw Christ in the person wrestling with addiction? What if, and I mean, can you even imagine, we saw God in a Democrat or Republican? Thanks. Oh, yeah, I came to step on some toes today, by the way. What if we saw Christ in someone hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? With a healthy understanding of the Imago Dei, we no longer have to wonder, like Joan Osborne or Joan Girardi, what if God was one of us? Because we might begin to see God in all of us. The image of God in each of us, the grace of God that welcomes us into God's holy family, presents us with a profound responsibility that we often neglect. In our text today, 
which so, is so well emphasized by the Ezekiel passage that Banks read for us earlier, Jesus provides the convicting consideration. Truly. And anytime Jesus uses the word truly, he means it. So just sweeping statement through the Gospels, you're reading, and Jesus says, truly I tell you, he means it. All right? Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Remember I said I came to step on some toes. Who among us can conceive of Jesus going hungry and withholding food from him? Would we dare? And yet, more than 44 million people in the U.S. face hunger, including one in five children. Who among us would see our Messiah thirsty and refuse him something to drink? And yet, around 2 billion people across the globe do not have access to clean and safe drinking water. Who among us, seeing our Savior needing shelter or asylum, would reject him a safe place to reside? And yet, these statistics are as of May of this year, more than 110 million individuals were forcibly displaced worldwide as a result of persecution, conflict, violence, or human rights violations. Who among us would see our Lord go naked while we continue to build up our wardrobes in the latest of fashions? I mean, it was Black Friday recently and Cyber Monday's coming up, so might as well. And yet, around 719 people live on less than $2.15 a day in order to provide us with our wardrobes and other comforts. And who among us would be willing to leave our Christ sick or in prison and never visit, never provide support. And yet, are we starting to like those words? And yet, around 20% of U.S. hospitals are understaffed with even more facing perilous financial strains. And over 2.3 million people in the U.S. are incarcerated. That's a 500% increase over the past 40 years, leading to overcrowded prisons and poor living conditions. We wouldn't dare let our king suffer in these ways. But we do. We just refuse to recognize that just as we do it to one of the least of these who are members of Christ's family, we do it also to him. Because each and every human being on the face of this planet holds the image of God. And we so often would rather soak up our comforts than stop to recognize what we did to Christ, our King. So perhaps you recall, today is Christ the King Sunday. We gather together today to acknowledge that beyond all other truths in our world, we are so relentlessly loved by the king of all of it. Now, when we use the term king and kingdom, we must understand that we have these contextual deficits that prevent us from fully understanding what these terms mean. See, we live in a democratic society and rarely see kingships present beyond fantasy stories of ages long past. But when we speak of Christ as our king, 
we are declaring that there is nothing in our lives that holds greater status. Right? Right? We, that is what we're saying whenever we say Christ is king, that there is nothing else in our life that holds greater status? And yet, it can be easy to see the image of God and those who live the way that we expect them to, those who do the things that we think they should or say the things that we think are right or support the things we think are good. And that's not an unreasonable thing to think. But let's be honest, we don't really serve a very reasonable king. I've heard it described once this way. Every religion, Christianity included, believes that God, or their ultimate reality, sits atop a metaphorical mountain, and our entire lives we spend trying to climb that mountain. When we do good, we climb higher. When we do wrong, we fall. Then, at the end of our lives, we are evaluated on how high up the mountain we have climbed and how close to God or our ultimate reality we got. But this is false. We might feel some need to climb this mountain, but here's the gospel. Our God has already descended to the bottom to be with us there. For at the bottom of the mountain are the least of these. At the bottom of the mountain are the sinners, the broken, the forgotten, the unloved. And perhaps if you've opened your Bible, you recall, who was it that Jesus went to? Mm -hmm. At the bottom of the mountain. We're about to enter a season in which we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnation, the birth of Christ who is God here on earth. We will be reminded that our king descended from on high, from glory, to be with us. But for what purpose? Do we know exactly why Jesus came? Let's try a little interactive portion here. Who can quote for me John 3.16? Yeah, I can see y'all are really enthusiastic about that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, who here can quote the next verse, John three seventeen? Yes, that's right, that's right. For, indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. My goodness, it's so much easier to be a condemning church, though, than a loving church. So much easier to be a judgmental church than it is to be a helping church. This Christ the King Sunday, we recognize that our King left all honor and glory, praise and thanksgiving, worship and exaltation just to be with us. And so that we do not have to keep climbing that mountain, 
And all of this is so marvelous and so wonderful and so exciting. I mean, this is the gospel truth that God chose to descend the mountain to be with us. To be with us. That choice, just to be near us, be among us. And then we are reminded, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me, our king that we did this to our king. Just as we did it to all of the people in the world that we find every excuse to say, that's not my problem, or that's too big to fix, or somebody else will handle it, I've done my time, or they deserve what they got, or they are wrong. Yes, just as we did it to them, we did it to Christ, our King. Oh, if only for a moment we would let the Jones, Joan Osborne and Joan Girardi, and maybe a little bit Joan of Arc, inquire of us, what if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? So, Here's my challenge for us. And if you've ever heard me preach, you know I like to wrap things up with a bit of a practical step here. My challenge to each of us, myself included, is that we might begin to see Christ as one of us in each of us. No longer is there any us versus them. There is only us. No longer is there sinner versus saint. There is only loved. No longer is there I'm right and you're wrong. There is only we are learning. Because where it's easy for me to see Christ in each and every one of you as you have loved, supported, and cared for Kristen, Callum, and me, the image of God is just as much in the least, the lost, the lonely, and the unloved. And just as I do to that person, I do to my king. So let us go forth today to behold the image of God, Christ, as one of us in each blessed human we encounter. Let us act kindly and lovingly toward those we have for so long neglected. Let us honor our King in this way, and let us now, in this time, stand together to affirm our faith in the Apostles' Creed. So I invite you now to stand for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is the one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith we now declare. Church, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Catholic, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.